It's Thursday, May 9th, 2019, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 258. The weaknesses are obvious. Runtime for this episode is 1 hour 12 minutes. Hello and welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the podcast that can absorb the powers of other podcasts it defeats. My name is Jeremy. Unfortunately, we haven't defeated any yet. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. No try this week. Okay, Zach is no try man this week. Here you go, just take my power. <laughs> it's not very useful. It's just apathy. It's procrastination. Yeah, it lets you go back to the man's levels to farm before you head to the secret castle at the end. No, so the difficult part about beating that man is you gotta you get to him. He's like, I'll fight you later, and then you got to do the stage another couple times before he finally gets around to fighting. You got to track him down. You just have to keep calling him. He's like, Hey, are you, you want to come over and fight today? And every time <laughs> you hear the music sting from Ghosts and Goblins. And you see the little map, and it slides you back to the start. And it's like da 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 da. Exactly. Did I say we played Mega Man Five? We played Mega Man Five. You did right there. Uh, because we've been giving Capcom a lot of praise, so we wanted to go to their old dead horse they keep beating. Wait, what have we been giving Capcom praise for? Resident Evil Two remake, Devil May Cry Five. I forgot both of those were Capcom. I've actually been playing some Resident Evil 2 Remake, a game I don't own, but I've been playing a fair amount of. What else have you been playing, Tyler? You've just uh, earned yourself the first spot. Damn it. I didn't mean to stumble into that. Congratulations. I thought we were going to talk about like current events. Hey, the Notre Dame burned down kind of recently. That's gaming related, right? Burning Notre Dame sounds like a fun level for Devil May Cry. It does. Uh, or, or Mega Man, if I'm being honest. I'm pretty sure that was a level in the Hunchback of Notre Dame tie-in game. I would believe that. The one Capcom did that was surprisingly good. Was there seriously one? No, but they did a bunch of Disney tie-ins in the that were surprisingly 90s good. That were surprisingly like well, you know, I know the like Ducktales. The Aladdin one was supposed to be pretty good. I don't yeah. remember. Was that Capcom? Well. I don't think Aladdin was Capcom, but it might have been. That was either right when the license expired or right when it's about to. Capcom did mostly Disney afternoon stuff, but they did a Little Mermaid game that's surprisingly good, and two Chip and Dale games that are surprisingly good. I actually really like the Chip and Dale ones. I had not heard about the L- Little Chip- Mermaid one. Rescue Rangers Two is the first video game I ever beat. Um, it's up there on that list for me. It was, if not the first, it's definitely the one of the first ten. I've never played it. We will play it at some point for this podcast, now that Disney Afternoon is available, and I'm surprised we haven't gone to that. We get to play Dartwick and Duck, which might actually be the best Mega Man game. <laughs> I guess we can do that as a reward after we beat all the Megas Man on NES. We'll go play Darkwing Duck. I thought Darkwing Duck was a Metroid. Oh, no, it's a Me- it's straight up a Mega Man. Okay. It's on the Mega Man 4 engine. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, and he's got all those mans to fight. Like? Mega Duck and Volt Meyer and... The plant guy. The uh, plant my, guy man. Tuscarini. My uh, knowledge of Darkwing Dark Duck, Duck, Duck villains is, yes, unfortunately. I mostly <laughs> just think of his catchphrase, the best. And his like, Adam West statue for going into his Yes, that's fantastic. Cave. And the weird, he has launch pad and so does Scrooge McDuck as a sidekick. <laughs> like he's some sort of rental sidekick. <laughs> no, th- see, the thing is there are two launch pads. Oh, they're it, brothers. They're, they're twins. That makes a lot of sense. One of them is spelled L-A-W-N-C-H. <laughs> no, I'm Launchpad Launchpad, and this is my brother Luigi Launchpad. 
doesn't he have a last name though? I think he has an actual quack. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've you've solved my launchpad puzzle. Well, one's Dan Launchpad McQuack. The other one's Launchpad uh, Ingrid McQuack. <laughs> what have you played, Tyler? Besides Resident Evil Two Remake. Uh, yeah, no. So I've been playing a little bit of that. Mostly the uh, Ghost Survivors DLCs. Man, those are hard. What are they like? They're basically so you know how Resident Evil is about like kind of slow plotting around places, solving puzzles, uh, like figuring out ways to deal with the combat and stuff. But they're kind of slower games on average. The Ghost Survivors DLC is mostly you just like run through a series of corridors that you'll recognize from the game probably. Oh, so it's the mercenaries mode. Yeah, basically it's mercenaries. You have like a very specific scenario and you have to get through it. They give you some training versions of it. They give you a bunch of like better guns and stuff to start with. Those are still pretty tough. I debated going in through those, but I just haven't done it yet. They're a lot of fun, actually, especially for someone who has basically never played Resident Evil outside of that one time we did it for the podcast. Um, I thought you played Resident Evil 4. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Resident Evil 4. That, do- that doesn't count. That's Resident <laughs> Evil 4. It's not Resident Evil. Considering Resident Evil 2 shares a lot of traits with Resident Evil 4. No, it really 4. does. Yeah, I just forgot that I played that game. I never finished it, I think is why, like didn't make it on my list. And if and I, I remember, you were really close to the end. I was. I, th- I think the reason I played through a lot of it is I was sick, and so I just, like, couldn't sleep, so I was playing Resident Evil 4, and then I was less sick, and then I just never went back to it. I don't know. They were a lot of fun. Um, They are also just, like I said, brutally difficult. I was playing through the easiest of them, and you only get, like, I think six shots for the uh, high-powered Magnum, and you need... There are like four enemies you need to kill with it, and all of them took two hits. They were all headshots, and they all took two hits. I'm like, well, I guess I'm just screwed. It randomly rolls to determine uh, whether or not a critical hit will just kill a zombie outright. Sometimes the head will just explode. I was like looking up at the zombie health mechanics in this game, and I don't under like one. First of all, the zombie health itself is randomly determined, except in some scenarios where it's not, and I'm not sure if this is one. I don't know. It's bonkers. What I ended up doing was just tanking a hit and running past them. And then you get to a basketball court that's filled with three liquors who won't do anything if you don't make a lot of noise. I, like, I opened the gate and one of the liquors is like, kind of following me around because I heard the gate open and then cut, latch on me from that. But then also there's a regular zombie with a backpack that you need to kill because the backpack contains the key that you need to get out the other side of the basketball court. So you have to, like, lead the other zombie, who was then also trailing me along with this one liquor, to the other side of the basketball court, pop him in the head, get the bag, and then escape before the all three liquors just destroy you. I didn't come up with this plan, unfortunately, until after I died. What I was thought was, well, I need to do something because I've been wandering around this basketball court with this liquor following me around like a hungry dog for a while. Uh, so I pulled out a flamethrower and was just like, okay, hope this works. It didn't. <laughs> There's a part late in the game in which there were, you know, there were like three liquors and then a whole bunch of other zombies just in this one area. Uh, It was a lot easier to do. Actually, I I think it was easier to do with Claire because she has a grenade launcher. But with Leon, I just busted out the flamethrower. Yep. And it was like, okay, everybody stand there. I'm going to burn you. The grenade launcher is also not... From the little of it I have played, the grenade launcher has actually not been great at clearing crowds. Although I think I've had incendiary rounds and acid rounds and not, like, actual grenades. I used actually a lot of the incendiary rounds to clear rooms primarily. But I also never really used the grenade launcher as a general purpose weapon. I ran out of weapon- or, uh, I ran out of weapons for my weapon. I ran out of ammo for my UMP on this scenario. All I had left was, like, 
15 acid rounds for my grenade launcher. I'm like, well, <laughs> we'll see how this works. The answer was... Not well. Not well, but I managed to beat it anyway. I think the answer to these is actually, uh, you don't shoot the zombies nearly as much as I think you should. Even if it's a fairly tight corridor, if you just, like, hustle past them, a lot of times they'll be too slow to grab you. So, yeah, I don't know. That's fun. I actually kind of want to play this game at some point, so maybe I will, like, purchase a new game, which is something that has not happened for a while. It is on Steam, huh? It is. You can get it there. I'm Uh, sure it'll be on sale soon. I guess by a new game, a game that is presently new, as opposed to a game that is new for me. It is new-ish. It's like two months old now. That's still relative. That's well within new for, for me. For Tyler, yeah. that's like brand new, still in the packaging. Just as an N64 kid, when you got a new N64 game, like once every six months, the rate at which video games comes out terrifies me and makes me feel my mortality. <laughs> what else have you been playing, Tyler? Uh, so I've picked up a lot of roguelikes again recently, like... I don't know, three weeks ago, I was like, well, I've got about an hour to kill and I don't know what to do with it. So I picked up FTL randomly. I'm like, oh, this is fun. And that apparently spawned just like me going and playing a bunch of roguelikes again. So I've been playing Slay the Spire a lot recently again, which has been ages and ages. They added like an extra level of the tower. Oh, okay. Maybe Uh, I should go back to that. I shouldn't for reasons I'll talk about later when we get to what I've been playing. (laughs) So you have to beat the game with all three characters, and then on subsequent runs that unlocks the ability to pick up like a shard, or representing all three on each run. And if you manage to accumulate all three by the time you beat the uh, third boss, that allows you to go to a fourth boss and theoretically see the actual ending to the game. Um, I have not gotten that lucky because the one time I did that, I did not realize that you had many opportunities to pick them up, so I sacrificed a lot of stuff to get them all on the first go, and was way underlooted by the time I got to the second boss. So, trying to think. Oh yeah, also Enter the Gungeon got a new update recently, which added a bunch of silly guns, all fantastic. Um, also, just kind of a sweep of buffs for everything across the board. I finally, finally unlocked the bullet that can kill the past. Because the last couple times I beat the dragon, I actually beat the boss several times and kept forgetting to get the item off of him and bring it back to the forge. So finally, I made the bullet that can kill the past, went and beat someone's past after, I don't know, a year and a half of owning this game. So Still didn't uh, come close to my Tokyo Mirage sessions clear time (laughs) of multiple years. Well, if I I ever beat Resident Evil. (laughs) I've done that a couple times. My favorite is one's. I beat Super Mario Brothers Wii U and forgot about it and thought I'd never beaten it. So, like a year ago, I went, I'm like, I'm gonna finally beat this game. Seems like I have all the levels unlocked that straight. Oh, I did beat this game. Huh. <laughs> I even really like the final boss of this game. Huh. Okay. Cross <laughs> that one off the list. Moving on. Nice. I should really go back to making a list for all the stuff I want to get through. I do that on every other form of media, but not video games, and I don't know why. Yeah, but a video game list are hard to get through. Mine keeps growing instead of shrinking. That is all my list. Like I said, but... the sca- the fright of mortality. I can get through movies. I watch a movie a week. A movie a week doesn't come out that I want to watch. During the summer, my list is going to stay stagnant, but... The problem is there are more books a year that come out or that I encounter or learn about than See, I can get through. My secret, and don't tell anyone this, I'm a very bad nerd. I just don't read books. That's fair. I mean, most people don't, I think. I don't yeah, read books very much anymore. You listen to them. I do it that because I have a lot of time at work. Yeah, well, multitasking. Like, I listen to books while driving. I read a lot of books that wouldn't make good audiobooks, like if I'm doing a non-fiction text yeah, or yeah, technical I've, stuff. I tried to listen to The Hero's Journey, and that was a mistake. 
Yeah. I listened to two history texts and I really liked it. But I can see history being all right because that's basically just a story. Yeah, the history is a narrative. The hard part is finding like actual history books that are narrated and not historical, historical fiction. fiction. Yep. Like I found something that was specifically on the Battle of Kursk and I also found something that was on the Battle of the Philippine Sea, both of which are subjects I'm interested in. But I can't find like a whole lot else. There's a uh, Dan Carlin does a it's like one dollar per episode, but a like really in depth like two hour history podcast. People love him. Yeah, what was that called? I listened to a couple episodes and I liked it, but I was like, I do not have time for this in my life. Is it hardcore history? It's not hardcore history. Uh, it might be. I don't know. I learned about it from one of my coworkers, and I it, like it's on my list to consume at some point. But every time I finish an audiobook, I'm like, I should go catch up on all the Brothers McElroy. And then by the time I finish that, I'm like, well, I just listened to 14 episodes of Mabim Bam. Time for something that is not that at all. So- something that has nutritive value for my brain. Anything else, Tyler? Yes, actually. I mentioned a long time ago that I was playing a randomized Pokemon r- Blue run. Um, I've gotten way further in that. I'm getting ready to face on the Elite Four with my Rock-type Rapidash. The I- fastest type. The fastest type. I actually kicked my Hitmonlee out of my party because Electric was just not... There were so many ground Pokemon. Also, there were so many ice Pokemon. And that thing was not doing me any favors. Jokes I knew the Elite Four is going to be all water flying. I know. Those bastards. <laughs> so I really wanted to, and I never actually incorporated it into my party because I couldn't figure out what to take out. Charizard in this is Ghost Psychic. And I was like really interested in having a Ghost Psychic Charizard. Golbat is Ghost Fire. Also, there were a lot of ghosts. A lot of seem, yeah, it seems like a lot of ghosts and ice in this run. Yeah, from go- what you told us ghosts, ice, and ground. I think are the predominant types. Also, I think a lot of fire. Almost all the things that are grass type normally are soul grass type, but <laughs> their their subtypes are usually different. So I'm trying to I'm trying to think what the rest of my party is. I've got a water poison dragonite who knows high jump kick, which is also <laughs> very useful because of all those ice types. Um, I've got a Raichu. It's just a nice type Raichu. His name is Flake, because obviously. Nidoking, who is Ghost Ground, pretty good. He, he's been my star player since I caught him, basically. Kicked out my Jigglypuff. He wasn't that useful anymore. I'm trying to figure out what... Oh, I have a Vile Plume, who is a Ground Grass. Again, Grass, because all those damn Ground types everywhere. I feel like I'm missing one. That's only five Pokemon, so I'm definitely missing one. I don't know. It, it's crazy shenanigans. I've actually had a lot of fun with this run-through. Um, Did pro- you mention it was a Beedrill off the mics? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's my other guy. He's a Beedrill. He's a fire-ice Beedrill that knows no ice-type moves. But the fire is pretty useful. My biggest problem with this run-through is I keep forgetting what types things are. Because it's like there's no continuity between visual appearance. Which is something that I think we've commented occasionally that Pokemon is generally pretty good about. Like, it looks like an X-type. When it's wrong about something, it feels very strange. Yes. Yeah, Most of which you then commit to memory. Like, Wobbuffet. I know, that's a psychic type. Because it looks like it should be a water type. Yep. Well, it's because most of them, they use the same kind of color palette for their water types. And, I mean, water types are also usually some kind of fish. Or even Which if, really works, and if it's not, there's some kind of really good visual indicator. I'm thinking, like, Weasel. Like, it's a weasel, but it's also got, like, water wingies the on it. The hell is that? It's from Gen 4. It's a, like you said, it's a weasel, but it looks like it looks like an inflatable raft weasel. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. um, so you get that it's water type. I'm trying to think of, like, outliers to types. Uh, I feel like Crabrawler definitely looks like a water type every time uh, I see it. Yeah, I keep thinking it's a water type, but it's definitely a fighting type, and when it evolves, it's a fighting ice type. Okay, yeah, no, I, I thought it's it was fighting a, water, but... It's because it's a crab 
Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Like it's got those big boxing glove arms, but it doesn't read as a fighting type. So. I think it's just because we think of it as being a water type because yeah. it's a crab, and yeah. they're all they're already also was crabby and kingler. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so more of the story. That's been fun. I feel like I've actually gotten up to something else. What was it? I already mentioned that I beat Assassin's Creed Odyssey to my satisfaction. I feel like I've been playing a JRPG. Oh, yeah, that's right. Super War- Robot Wars T. Um, I haven't gotten super far. Um, I'm trying to think of the... <laughs> what? We both beat it. Yeah, I know you both beat it. I'm falling behind already. But I'm trying, guys. I really am. I do appreciate that. How far did you get? Um, I think I'm on mission seven or something. Who do you have? Yeah, I was trying to think of who the most interesting person I picked up recently. Do you have um, Vaughn? I do not have Vaughn. I have uh, Spike now, kind of. He ran away, that asshole. You're uh, probably pretty close to Vaughn. So, like, you just got to Mars? Yeah, I'm I'm just at Mars, and I have done, like, a Mars thing, I think. Well, I, if you I, have Domon, then you've done a Mars thing, because he sh- he's, like, the first level on Mars you do. Gotcha. Um, I think that is my next mission. I think next mission is Domon time. Oh, you don't have Domon yet? I do not have Domon yet. So maybe I'm less for, far than I thought. I thought I was on like seven. Uh, you did the space level where the Nautisco shows up? Yes. It's like, hey, we're the Nautisco. Okay, see you later. Yep, I don't even know who these people are. I'm like, oh, I thought they were actually original characters for this game because they're like they did a pretty good job integrating their fiction in with the fiction of this weird universe. Well, it um, becomes a lot more obvious later when you start getting a lot more people who are quite obviously animated differently. Well, no, I was going to say their eyes were so much bigger than everyone else's. I'm like, but like the rest of them was drawn the same. I'm like, are they? Aren't they? Definitely they are. Yeah, they, the, the they, more I looked at them. They're from Martian successor, Nautisco. Uh, yeah, I have Specifically the Prince of Darkness. The yeah, movie. they're from uh, an OVA, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't, I've never heard of this before. The OVA or the series? Either. Oh, you would like the series. Okay. I hadn't until (laughs) I encountered it in V. The series is, like, it's kind of that Trigun thing where it's very silly and over the top until it's time to be very serious. But the movie is just very, very serious and that's kind of the joke. But because it's the most recent thing, that's what all the Super Robot Wars stuff takes so they don't get much of the... Silly. Of the silly. Which makes me yeah. a little bit sad. I kind of wish I got more of the silly. It's basically a harem anime, but the main character is the cook on this ship, the Nautisco. But he's also an incredibly talented pilot. So they keep trying to get him to pilot their <laughs> not mobile suits, the Astavelluses. But he just wants to be the cook because that's what he signed on to do. I just want to make grilled cheese, guys. <laughs> uh, Ramen, specifically. But the like head mobile suit pilot guy dies after inspiring him with this old anime series called Geki Cager. Is that a real? No, it's, in- okay. no, it's made up for this. And also, it turns out that the enemies they're facing are displaced human colonists, and the only media they had when they left was Geki Kedger. So their entire society is actually based on this old <laughs> anime, and that is how they eventually solve the problems with diplomacy. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that, but that is fantastic. Uh, I am very into that. I really. <laughs> I really want that to be the ending of Blue Gender, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All the horrible space aliens are actually just like super, like way down the line humans who grew up on bad anime. <laughs> Presumably, whenever you get farther, I'm actually going to be really curious to know which directions you take. One of these days. I don't know if Jeremy told you, but I chose Chick because she was way snarkier in her profile picture. So. I, that's the one I went with, too. Um,. Although now that I'm playing it more and more, I like I really like the Gespenced way more than I don't even remember the name. The Tyranado? Yeah, the Tyranado. I always wanted to. Pl- so when I worked at the gas station, we had these, t- and I think they're actually like a uh, product that you can just buy from a dispenser of some sort. A dispenser of fried meat products. 
Uh, they're called tornadoes, but they're spelled with a Y somewhere in there. And not entire, it might be a, like a tornado or something. I know exactly the product you speak of. Yeah, they're basically like miniature chimichanga things. I'm not even sure how to describe them. They're awful. I want to say they're breadsticks with meat in them. Like at <laughs> two in the morning when I am calorie and sleep deprived, that is exactly what I want, but they're horrible. But I always think that the name of this mech is one of those, and I can't dissociate I that. I think it's supposed to be the Tyranado, because yeah, there are a couple of voice lines that specifically refer to it. But it's like, I don't know, I like the general design of the Gespenced better. The Gespenced is your more traditional mobile suit, because it's got a beam saber on it, whereas the Tyranado does, or Tyranado does not have that. The Tyranado really, really grew on me the more I played that game, especially when I realized that was supposed to be a necktie on it. Okay, I didn't realize Is that. Is it really? I yeah, didn't notice uh, that. But also, I just don't like the Gespenst. I think it's too big and fat. And as someone who loves the Dom, that should be my <laughs> thing, but it's not. I like both of them. I don't dislike the Gespenst. It's not like my least. Well, actually, it might be my least favorite like original Super Robot Wars unit, but I like them all fairly well. So. I, say, I don't dislike the uh, Tyranado. I just like the Gespenst more. I actually really like the Tyranado's like, we're just going to have a core fighter behind you shooting the guns you need at you. Um, I am, I'm super into that. Spoilers, that thing becomes more... Uh... More in the fight with you. A couple of your attacks incorporate it. I kind of figured that would happen eventually. I don't know. I agree the combat is way too easy. The hardest thing is to avoid killing enemies so I can meet some of those SR requirements. Because a lot of them are specifically like, have this extremely weak unit do it. I'm like, I'm trying, game. They keep critting before they can do their support attack. Uh, that was one of the ones I didn't get, was the, uh, the Nodisco getting kills via support. I may have redone that level to specifically get it, because one, I didn't understand how support attacks worked. I, like, read the description of, like, why isn't this doing anything? I think it was because I actually just ended up killing the enemy every time, so the support attack never got off. Entirely possible. And um, also the unit can't have, if the unit has moved, it can't support attack. Yeah, so I got there eventually. Of course, the other difficult part there is the Astave aliases suck. Well, that's why I used them to trigger the Nodisco support attacks. <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to think. I feel like there's something else I played. Obviously, I mentioned FTL. So I've been playing on normal because I'm like, I played way too much of this on easy way back in the day. I've won every single game I've played. I'm like, what is this luck? I feel like I usually played FTL on normal. I definitely started on easy uh, until I could beat it somewhat comfortably. But I feel like most of the time I spent playing FTL was on normal. I've spent most of it playing on easy because I felt like normal was just kicking my ass. But I've won every single game and I don't like I think I just keep getting lucky. I'm trying to I, there was one other thing and I can't remember what it was. I'm sure I'll remember it halfway through Zach's, because uh, I'm going to ask him what he's been playing, what he's been playing. Yeah, because that happens every single time people it start does. talking. You remember what you were going to say, and then uh -huh. immediately start interrupting everybody else. Uh-huh. Um, oh, it was spell break. <laughs> <laughs> See? Uh, it, it got a lot of updates recently, and it's a fun game, guys, but I can't honestly recommend it because there are so many battles royale. Now I want to do a bit where I do a, we interrupt this, uh, whoever's <laughs> speaking, because Tyler remembered what he was playing. <laughs> oh, it was spell break. <laughs> now back to your regularly scheduled conversation. So, like I said earlier, I cleared Super Robot Wars T. Um, As did I. I missed one of the secret scenarios. Which, eh, I think I didn't get, and I didn't get one of the secret units. At least one of the secret units. I don't remember if there was one other one that I missed. You just missed Mashmire, I think. Mashmire, and if there was one other one, I might Did you not get Guni? I feel, I feel like you get Guni if you get Char, so, or who's, if you get the Nightingale. Like I said, he's the dude who's hanging out with Char. Maybe, I don't he's remember. He's got black hair, he's I, very boringly designed. I never used him if I got him. 
But I got the Nightingale. I got Char. I had Rue running around in the new Gundam. I had Haman running around in the Sazabi because those are good mobile suits and they're better than what they start in. What did he kick Char out of to get the Sazabi? He comes put him in the Nightingale. Oh. The Nightingale is a secret unit, which is the Sazabi, but better. Sazabi plus plus. Yeah. The uh, Gunbuster is ridiculously powerful. Yeah, it's like maybe the most overpowered unit in a Super Robot War since I started playing. It's hard to compare to Giron Lagan, who I think when it becomes a battleship at the end and it can carry your entire fleet and give itself extra turns and do stat <laughs> boost is more powerful. But this is the only one that I've had in which I've had significant problems with energy on certain units because Vaughn, Domon, and the Gunbuster all have very, very energy intensive attacks at the end. Um, so they had a tendency to run low. Wait, so two questions. One, do you get rain? Sadly, no. Two, you can we love, J. love 10 Kyokin anyway? There, you get, <laughs> you get this, uh, the Sekiya 10 Kyokin. Okay. And there is one Bass battle where he does the love, love 10 Kyokin, but it is just that attack with okay. slightly different dialogue. Well, yeah, I'll take it. I was disappointed. No double burning finger with Allen B either, which is what really disappointed me. There was Allen B in the game? Oh, Allen B is one of the best units in this game. Damn it. She shows up at the same time as Domon. She is a repair bot of all things. She is a very good support. And also she can burning finger things if they get too close. <laughs> and also she has her beam hoop, which is one of the only ranged moves you get in the game until the end when it's Funnel Town. Yes, once it becomes Funnel Town, you get all kinds of them. I mean, the Arcadia is not bad as a battleship. When you get the uh, the attack that is drive me closer, I want to shoot them with my sword. It's pretty great. <laughs> but it's not like in at least in V, where you're like, okay, you guys, all the enemies, be over there. I'm going to murder you from my side of the map because I have the Yamato, I have the the double-lot guy, that, the Dynamis, or Lock-On Stratus' Gundam. I have Kurtz Weber, who's a sniper. I've got all the funnels. I have the entire crew from the Paramail First Squadron, and they all have ranged attacks. Yeah, your, your squad in this is very melee-focused. To the point where for a while my farthest range attack was to hit something with a baseball bat. Yeah, because that has a range of eight. Well, for a long time, your longest ranged weapon is a five. Yeah. Because that is what... Allenby's beam hoop is. Well, it's Allenby's beam hoop and Vaughn's longsword throw are both range five. So it's still Super Robot Wars. It's still fun. I enjoyed it. Although the, the end game, the last few levels, like when you're starting to wrap everything up, Hoo boy. They really drag. It seemed like it dragged less this game than past ones to me, but I think I was just less depressed playing this one than I have been last times, and Super Robot Wars is a good barometer for how depressed I am right now. Oh? Yeah, because like... I feel it really hard when I'm depressed, because I just want to keep <laughs> playing it, even though I'm not enjoying it. I don't know what to say to that, because I don't have that kind of problem. I beat it, and I got every character to ace, which felt pretty good. It is, much, it is possible to do in this one, but... It's I think it's possible to do in all of them, but I think it, I'd have actually been hard in some of the other ones. There are reasons why it's actually a lot easier to do yes. in this one. If you use the suborders in this Yeah. One. I've it, been using those copiously already. In the previous one, you, the suborders existed, but you didn't get them until like halfway through the game, and you could only use them on units that didn't participate in the battle. Okay, yeah, now I can see how that restriction would make that a lot harder. As opposed to here, you get it literally as soon as possible, and also anyone can do it. And, yeah, so. and then you bump up to three kills per patrol later on, too. So it's like, everybody gets kills. Yeah, so it made some of that pretty easy to do. I was doing it kind of idly. It wasn't something I was focused on doing, because I'm probably going to end up playing this again later. Although I think next time I play one, I might replay V, 
because the Vang Ray slash Vang Nex are two of my absolute favorites. There are a couple of the secret scenarios in this game that I really didn't care for because of the way they decided to do them, and I did not like that. The speculation is the next one is going to be an all-original unit series with the three of them, and that it was foreshadowing that. So it's going to be an OG? Yeah, that's just speculation. Huh, interesting. And the company you work for is VTX, which I feel dumb for not catching on to. Ah, I see what they did there. What Super Robot Wars games do you own, Zach? Oh, God! (laughs) Yeah, I felt stupid for not catching on to that, too. Oh, man, I did not. I just did not catch that. How do the secret missions work in this? Like, what makes them secret? You have to get it. There's a certain, there are specific requirements for each one to clear. You have to unlock them. Yeah, you have to unlock them. You have to get a certain number of, you know, kills or, and somebody else has to get a certain number of kills for a specific thing to unlock. I think the ones I'm referring to are specifically you need a certain number of aces to unlock them. Is this telegraphed in any way? No. Not really. Typically, a bunch of them are based on how many aces you have, so get as many aces as possible. You don't need more than 25. But also in this one, a bunch are based on your, I can't remember what it's called, but like the tack point unlock tier thing. Gotcha. Yeah, I know what you're talking they about. They change the name of it every game, but it does the same thing. Some of them are based on that, so you want to max that out quickly, which you kind of want to do anyway. Yeah, some so of them you are... get so many benefits from it, you just want to do that. And at least one of them is a spe- is a two specific people. Yeah, and generally speaking, kill named characters with characters from their series, and that helps, especially okay. the character that killed them and or was in love with them. <laughs> that helps. Which is something I like to do anyway, because you tend to get dialogue. Yeah, and it... I, I was doing that a lot in the first one, and there's actually one of the hidden units in V is actually attached to that. To get the Vangray back as a unit with the other like original character, you have to defeat them with the character that you chose. Okay. And then they rejoin the fight piloting the Vangray, which kind of cool. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I would definitely recommend playing it if you like that those kind of games. It's better than X, but that's not really saying a lot because X had a lot of problems. I definitely liked Domo and having to be the mature individual and being like kind of the leader and, you know, team dad, as it were, when Bright wasn't around. Which yeah. was like, that. that's just a great idea and fantastic for that. I just feel like Domo is the... Not the most mature character. But, but it's, it happens after G Gundam, and he's basically he's with a bunch of anime protagonists and just like, God, is this what I was like? Yes, <laughs> Tyler, remember, this is Domon after he's had basically his hero's journey, and now he's with a whole bunch of people who are basically running around trying to do it. the same thing. Yes. Oh, you such a bunch of people who are like, Revenge, have you seen this man? I must kill him. <laughs> no one's like, whoa, why are you keeping his picture? Oh. <laughs> yeah, so a bunch of the characters want to go m- murder specific individuals, and that's like their primary goal, which is pretty great. <laughs> I could just imagine old man Domo, not actually old man, like 25-year-old Domo, sitting around like the commissary, just like drinking tea, and people are like, Revenge! And he's like, come over here, kid. I'm going to sit you down. We're going to have ourselves a talk. Based on what I actually know, I think Domon's actually still younger than Vaughn. But that's because I'm a, I've, I've always kind of assumed Vaughn is in his early 20s. And this takes place like two years after the Gundam fight. So Domon's like 18. Yeah, I thought Domon was older for a Gundam character. No, he's just got an older voice actor. Okay. And he's, <laughs> he actually looks the, like he's drawn yeah, more he... realistically. Than most other do- uh, most other Gundam most other Domones. <laughs> yeah, he's drawn like a sixteen-year-old instead of an anime sixteen-year-old. He looks like he's been through puberty. That definitely helps imply because I thought the same thing. And then like have re-watching it 
and looking at it again, it's like, no, he actually isn't any older than your standard Gundam protagonist. They just decided to animate it differently. Other than that, I started playing Persona 5 again. I was going to start from the beginning, but then I remembered I had another save file that was at the last dungeon, and I, well, the, one of the things that I wanted to do with that was to like try and fill in all the compendium and get all the uh, confidants to rank 10, and I was close to doing that. And, That's uh, actually a pretty impressive feat. It's a lot easier on a new game plus. Which I assume was what that was. That was a new game. Post. Oh, okay. So I already had a bunch of the conf. I had. A, well, I didn't have the confidants, but I had like all the stats already filled out because those carry over. And that's a lot of your time in that game is sitting there buffing your stats so that you're cool enough yeah. to hang out with people. Yeah, going to the gym so you get the confidence to ask Makoto out. Yeah, <laughs> and stuff like that. So that was a good chunk of that. I'm basically broke because of the fact that it costs a lot of money to summon monsters that are above your level which is one of the confidants gives you that ability. Although in doing this playthrough, I managed to clear one of the most difficult bosses in the game. I killed the Reaper. I think I did that in my first playthrough, but I might be wrong. Is there a reward for it in five? There is a trophy for it, as well as a bunch of experience. Like I went from like level 60 something, like 68 or something like that, to 75, so he's worth a, a lot of experience. He's also one of the easiest incredibly difficult bosses in you can just confuse him or something right uh if you go in during oh, flu yeah, season i read about this yeah if you go in during flu season he can spawn with despair i think that is how i beat him that's how i that's how i did it is he will spawn with despair and in persona despair you the guy dies after three after three turns so you just have to survive three turns he won't even attack you what, why when, not? Because he's have, too depressed. Because he's, dis, he's despairing. <laughs> Wait, why? Why is this? Why does he get depressed during flu season? Isn't that his job? Be, it's because like he's part of the of mementos is what it's called, yeah, and like it reflects the the world. It's like a self. It's a reflection of the general self. And so flu season apparently makes people depressed. So hence mementos gets despaired. And the reapers part. The reapers okay. part of mementos. So okay. So, I mean, that was fun. It was one of those random things like, I want to do this because I can. I don't know where I found this, but I definitely read some random guy that's like, hey, you should definitely just go farm the Reaper this way. Well, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because he's worth so much experience points. He's not worth a whole lot of cash, but he is worth a lot of money, which makes upgrading stuff a lot easier and Wait. also does give you a lot of, um, like, just stats in general. And he's worth a lot abilities. of cash, but not a lot of money? He's not, well... He's worth a lot of experience points, oh, okay. which helps because it then you don't have to pay the additional fee for creating uh, monsters or personas above your level. Gotcha. Other than that, like I bought Dragon Ball Super Broly because it came out, and of course because I was going to buy that when it came out. Did you buy Super Dragon Ball Heroes yet? Uh, considering it, no, I was considering it, and then I saw what the animation and the actual like graphics of it looked like. I loaded up a let's play of it, but I have not watched it yet. And so. I was like, oh god. This is horrible, especially for 60 bucks. I'm not paying for this. I thought I had heard about it from both of you, and both of you said it sounded horrible, so I just have been avoiding it. Sounded, it. it sounds okay. It's just like looking at it, it's just, it looks so terrible that I haven't, I didn't buy it. And then this week, actually, the Marauder 2 for MechWarrior Online came out. I did use the Rocket Rotter in a couple of levels, and I did really well. The, it's not jump rockets, I assume. No, it has rock, it has jump jets on it. Well, th that's not why it's called the Rocket Rotter, right? No, it's called the Rocket Rotter because it has 170 rockets on it, which are distinct from missiles in Battletech. Non-guided? Well, neither are MRMs or SRMs. Rockets are distinct in Battletech because they're really, really cheap, 
and they're one-shot weapons. So you fire them one time, they do not reload, make it okay. count. Okay. Okay. They actually changed it when they added it into the game, and they actually reduced the amount of rocket tubes it has by 10. So the standard one, I can't remember the exact specifications on it, but it's supposed to have a mix of rocket launcher 15s and 20s and 10s, like a bunch of them, that totaled out to like 180 missiles. But in this one, they just, or in the change, they gave it just eight rocket launcher 20s and a rocket launcher 10. So, like, it can hit like a truck. It can... Like, and then you're out of ammo. <laughs> well, it's got eight of those, and then it's got two ER PPCs and two ER medium lasers. Oh, okay. So it's not completely defenseless once its rockets are gone. Right, but it's it's got that one really, really, really big punch that it can throw, but it can only throw it once. I mean, if you fire all of them at the same time, you're going to overheat and shut down immediately because it doesn't have the heat sinks to take it. But worth. But if you chain fire them, it can be really useful. But if you do fire them all at one dude, he's probably going to die. If you hit him, like, that's always the, the tricky part there is you got to hit him first. But it's still a fun game. I'm not doing very well in the Marauders 2 and the Marauder 2s because they're kind of slow. But Mega Online's still kind of fun. So I've been meaning to ask you, because I don't know if you ever talked about it on the podcast. You might have, because I know you talked about it with me. How's your relationship with Sekiro working out? Uh, I kind of, I stopped playing it. I got pretty far. I'm stuck on a, I'm stuck on the Lady Butterfly boss. Last update I heard was that, so. I haven't played it since. I'm stuck there, and there's another thing that I need to do for another part of the game, but, like, I still think it's a fun game. It's just so timing-based with, like, the, the counters and the parries that I was really, really struggling to get that down. Like, I definitely think it's a good game. I just know I'm really <laughs> awful at it. So, so maybe one of these days. If it makes it feel any better, I still haven't beaten Cuphead. Neither have I, actually. Neither have I, actually. It's did, did coming out on it? the Switch. I, I've i played a little bit of Cuphead. Okay. But yeah. Actually, oh, I think so it just came out on the Switch. I will play it on the Switch. Poor Microsoft. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that was their exclusive. They had that in Sunset Overdrive, which is now on PC. I don't... Like, I think that was kind of intentional, but that's because I think Microsoft is working a lot closer with Nintendo than they have in the past. Yeah, that could be. I was going to say, there are a lot of things... Well, is it Microsoft or is it Sony? I feel like there are a lot of Switch, PC... One of the other console compatible I think games. it's primarily Microsoft because, like, again, they there's compatibility. I read there was compatibility between Microsoft's Xbox One and the Wii, or not the Wii U, the Switch with regards to Minecraft. Yes, that's true. Um, but I think that has to do with the developer who's making the console Minecraft ports that said Minecraft is owned by Microsoft. So I think there's a lot more cooperation between Microsoft with Nintendo than there is with Sony. So. I'm not in the know. I'm not an expert on that whole thing. I'm still looking forward to, uh, as of recording next week, I'm hoping the announcement isn't just check back next month. For Persona 5 RNS? Yes, to determine what exactly those are, because theory is Persona 5 The Royal, which is Persona 5 R, is going to be PlayStation 4 exclusive with all the extra stuff in that, and then the S is going to be Switch exclusive, but it's basically just a re-release of Persona 5 with maybe some additional content that's switch exclusive so woo i need to watch wolf children i picked that up too anything else zach other than the mobile games i'm always playing you and i finally got a chance to play some super fight that's true that's a card game it's basically just an argue about who would win a fight game 
As you might imagine, I'm very good at it. Which definitely is, very, I find very fun because that's kind of that's the kind of thing I like to do anyway. So do you have to make good arguments? Or it's mostly it... a good argument game. There is, I don't want to say some rock, paper, scissors in it. Basically, you get a hand of adjectives and a hand of nouns. Pick a adjective and a noun, and then you randomly get an adjective from the deck. And your opponent does this as well, and then you argue who would win. Our first one, and it's also sometimes just the people involved, because our first one was actually pretty terrible, and there wasn't a whole lot of, like, actual arguments around it, but it was so funny that it just kind of stood for a little while, and that was Kevin's play of a rock that was, or a pet rock that was radioactive and made of paper. Well, yeah, how do you beat a rock made of paper? It will crush scissors, and... <laughs> There's so many of those. I, I I had like a what was it a saber tooth tiger that had like laser claws and a kitten cannon. Yes. Or no, I had a it was a saber tooth tiger that could divide itself, but its hel- its intelligence went down by half every time it did, and a kitten cannon. But it's a saber tooth tiger, so like intelligence isn't super high in its list. It was also traits. competing against a. It was competing against the, the Statue, Statue of, of Liberty. Liberty. Uh, that could control it and grow its mustache hair at will. Oh, man. <laughs> that was a very difficult fight. That went a while. And there was something else. There, it could do something else, too, but I yeah. don't remember what it was. I went around the board with a vampire hunter that had telekinesis and could throw bears, <laughs> in part because Kevin played a, ske- a uh, ninja that was actually made up of four other things that it, made, it drew from the deck, and it had a vampire right arm and a skeleton left arm, I'm like, it loses its arms immediately. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's also a game that doesn't really have a winner. Like, if you're looking at the instructions, there is no winner. You yeah, know, it's whoever makes the best argument, right? Well, in in the game, just because they're like, they're, you get a point, mostly because, like, for games, you need to get a point, but there's no end condition for it. So it's like, just when, have when you fun, have basically. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's a fun game. I enjoy, I very much enjoyed it. It's kind of sad that we haven't actually gotten a chance to play our monday night game two weeks running for various reasons but that's life and it's not like we didn't do other things so what have you been playing jeremy well i beat super robot wars t like we said which is most of my video game front except for last night while i was listening to some podcasts and trying to catch up i decided to check out the ruby deck building game because our friend kevin who i co-host jumpstart weekly with is obsessed with that game i think also ed plays it i, I feel like someone else i know plays i did that. download it but i never loaded it after i downloaded it so i just uninstalled it i've heard it's actually pretty decent especially after they got some of the launch week bugs figured out so some of the worst ui experience i've ever had cool was with this cool. game it immediately starts you by forcing you to go through a tutorial where it's like, hey, here's this is the options. This is everything, which, you know, basically what you'd expect. But it's like, let's play the tutorial. Go to the bottom right to play the tutorial. I'm like, okay, cool. So I play the tutorial. Immediately, it's like, you have been disconnected from this game due to uh, your internet connection. I'm like, oh, that's not good. Cool. So now you know how to play the game. Now we'll play an <laughs> example game. And I'm like, can I go back to the tutorial, Ozpin? No, you're going to make me click on this game? Okay, I guess I'm going to play this game that's no idea how you play and just kind of struggle through it. And it was fine, right? It was fine. I mean, I then tried to do the tutorial again and got disconnected from that again. Huh. But then eventually managed to do the tutorial and started playing some bot games, did okay. Accidentally played against some humans. <laughs> played a game against some humans in which I accidentally skipped my own turn at one point and still won? Wait, how? And did not get disconnected. I've only ever been disconnected from the tutorial. Never been disconnected from games with real players 
or the AI. That is very odd. Yes. But like I was saying, I don't want to play Slay the Spire because I talked about when I played Slay the Spire, I really enjoyed playing it and afterwards felt kind of depressed like I was eating a bunch of potato chips uh, (laughs) and it was great. But then I was done and I'm just like, I shouldn't have spent all that time eating potato chips. I'm going to get fatter. And I've played 10 hours of the Ruby deck building game in the last day and I don't even think it's particularly good. Like it's fine. Uh, It's got some interesting mechanics and like all deck building games, the moment to open decision making is fun. But I played a ton of Dominion online when there was that old free Dominion client that I don't remember the name of anymore that used the original card art instead of the official one. Yeah, the official one is, is balls, but yeah. So yeah, I will just play a deck building game forever if you put it in front of me. That's been my problem with Slay the Spire, except I feel like it's gotten better recently. I think Slay so. the Spire is a good game. I think deck building games in general are good. Obviously, I like them. But the thing about playing them with real people is that real people have to consent. So you can't just play them forever. <laughs> so see, my problem is really that I masturbate too much. So I need to uninstall the Ruby deck building game. I will say there are an unlimited number of consenting people, though. So well, yeah, I can just play with them online. But that's also a problem. I need to not do that. So because like I said, I played 10 hours of the game and I think it's fine. Once you get past some of the UI stuff, there are some interesting ideas in there. But also it's basically just a deck building game. I very much prefer team-based deck building games, but that's because I'm also really bad at them. There aren't many team-based deck builders. Like, there's which is one of the reasons why I like the Attack on Titan deck building game. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a surprising amount of fun. Also, so also I guess there's that Ruby deck builder that's different than the game. I think there are like competitive raids in the Ruby deck building game. You mean cooperative raids? Yes, I think competitive. I did make mean cooperative. I do. I really don't know how those would work. Kevin has said he wants to play those. I was thinking that the deck building game was just going to be like the game Kevin brought with him. I thought nope. that was what it was, it's but a, apparently it's not. It's a different game. It's way more Dominion-ish. It's got a rotating card pool, though, instead of static one. And you pick a character at the beginning, but you only get to pick from two, and you get two unique cards based on your character, which is an interesting idea, but there's a lot of disparity there. You only get to pick between two characters? It, there are eight, and it randomly picks two for you, and you... Uh, okay, so is it between the Team Ruby and Team Juniper then? It doesn't have to be. Like, you can get Pyrrha and John as your choices. Well, no, I meant, can... I meant those yes, are the eight characters. Those are uh... the eight characters, yes. And they all have some okay basic synergies. Ruby and Weiss kind of are a little too similar for my tastes, but they're also my two favorites to play, so they both just build card draw engines and destroy you. So that's basically all I've been playing. I've listened to most of my podcasts while I was playing 10 hours of that, which means <laughs> I have not returned to 358 over two days yet because that game is pretty boring, but like it's slightly more interesting than Solitaire is what I would say. So as a thing to do with my hands while I'm listening to podcasts, it is A-OK, and then I get a little story after I've played through it, but I need my podcasts to recharge. That's a weekly ability. Some uh, of them are monthlies. So how close are you to being done with that one? So you can move I on have to a no concept. One. Okay. <laughs> My understanding is it's one of the shorter ones, but I honestly don't know. I feel like I might be in Act 2, but it is hard to tell. Well, I mean, it's 358 days. Well, that's true. I, I'm past day 100. So, like, you know, a third of the way through, through Act 1, that seems right. The thing is, there are lots of time skips of, like, 60 days. So it's hard to say how long that is actually left, because I imagine near the end, it gets more... It gets dense again? Yeah. Well, I mean, that would make a lot of sense. But next is Birth by Sleep, which I'm super excited for. I've never even heard of that one. Yeah, that's the one. That's the prequel where you're in Keyblade Cogwarts, dealing with the Gothmog to Xemnas' Sauron. 
the other thing I've been playing is I actually beat the assignment this week, which was Mega Man 5. And I think this is the first Mega Man we played for the podcast, which I did not beat. It is not the first Mega Man for the podcast I have not beaten. The only one I haven't beaten is X3, which I do intend to go back to. It's on my list relatively high. I think after I clear the Kingdom Hearts. So, you know, sometime in 2021. That's about the time I'll be finished catching up on One Piece, which I've been watching more of, by the way. Oh, yeah. How far are you? Are you uh, to Arlong Park yet? The what? Okay, never mind. No, I just didn't hear what you said. Arlong but... Park? Well, the what? <laughs> no. We have just gotten to the point where Zoro has proclaimed his lifelong passion to be the best swordsman again after getting his ass kicked by the best swordsman. Uh, I do love that fight. It's I, a pretty good fight. I do love having injured Zoro running around for an arc and a half after that. <laughs> I just love that the guy fights him off with, like, a pocket knife. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, Mihawk's great. Spoilers for way in the future of One Piece. He lives on an island full of animals that have learned to use weapons that he constantly trains himself against. <laughs> hey, so I'm silly. still I'm still current on We Never Learn, so I'm good. I'm an episode behind. I need to watch. The I, most I'm current time. on We Never Learn and Demon Slayer. Wait, they made We Never Learn an anime? It's two episodes in. Oh, it started this season. So I, I kind of wanted to pick that up when I heard you guys talking about it on Jumpstart, and I didn't realize it was an oh, anime. There now. are two episodes you can watch. There will be three on Saturday. That sounds like a pretty good time to jump on. It is a lot of fun. It's got the sleeping beauty of the literary forest. And the Thumbelina calculator. The Thumbelina supercomputer. She is no mere calculator. <laughs> Sorry, my so bad. Speaking of supercomputers, <laughs> Mega Man 5. The one where Proto Man's Wily. I do love how all the Mega Mans now try to trick you into thinking Wily's not the boss. Like there's <laughs> Dr. Kosak in the fourth one, but really it's just Wily kidnapped him and forced him to do it and this one wiley has built another proto man <laughs> he's trying to frame proto man for these crimes which doesn't really work because mega man just shows up and kills that proto man it's like hey you're not proto man <laughs> and then dr wiley's there <laughs> i can't help but remember that thing that you showed us dr wiley yeah dr wiley has made another proto man it's actually dark man disguised as proto man wait dark man the the old robot master? No, the guy played by Liam Neeson in the 90s movies. No. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. No, it's a dude, new Dark Man. Wily actually built four of them. They are the four bosses of Proto Man's castle. Four, four Dark Men? Dark yeah, Man? Yeah, the, the fourth one, there are actually some interesting boss fights. Mega Man, as always, has done a lot of cool graphical tricks. And the one that I think is actually very good, both for, like, it looks cool and for gameplay, is two of the Dark Man have this force field that's got kind of a 3D effect. So when it's parallel and on his sides, you can shoot him, but and oh, it like rotates cool. around him, and it actually looks very good and makes you time your shots. That's kind of impressive on the NES. Yeah. Unfortunately, it leads to, more often than not, some slowdowns. Not nearly as bad as Mega Man 3, but there are some enemies with some really impressive death effects that it can't quite handle with more than two enemies on screen. <laughs> like which enemies? The non-boss enemies, I assume. Yeah. Yeah, some of the flying enemies do real cool explosions, and the NES isn't quite capable of rendering those and enemies at Mega Man speeds. So it tends to slow way down in order to render them? I wouldn't say tends to. I only encountered it two or three times, but they were some of the hardest parts of the game. Because we had this discussion before, and I'm not trying to brag because this was not my cohort's experience, but I found this to be the easiest Mega Man game we've played yet. Other than maybe Mega Man 2 on easy mode, but even that, I feel like the level design was a little harder. I didn't feel like this was a particularly hard one. I just didn't devote a lot of time to it. Mostly, since we're talking about levels, like, the levels are a lot shorter in this one. Especially compared to 4, where I thought they were way too long. It feels like someone gave them that feedback and they overcorrected here, although I do think short levels are better than long levels. I agree. Especially when your primary draw is fighting the bosses. 
I probably would have played more of this, but again, between all the other stuff I'm generally doing, and I encountered one moment that made me cry, this is and then I put it down, and usually when that happens, I don't tend to pick games yep. back up. There are a lot more, not exactly arbitrary, but like nearly arbitrary deaths. Like, I started with Starmine's stage. The gimmick on that one is that you can jump really high because there's low gravity, which I actually really like that they played around with that. But as you get on the level, there are a bunch of spikes on the ceiling. Uh, kind of actually like a lot of the water levels. Yeah, it's a lot like Dive Man's level, which also you couldn't quite jump the same way as in Star Man, but you also had a higher jump, and they kind of challenged you by having spikes on the top of the screen that would kill you. Yeah, so mostly it's an exercise in jump a little bit. Okay, that was almost enough. Jump a little bit more. Okay, that was almost enough. And keep doing that until you get the exact height you need. It mostly ends up being tedious. I feel like a lot of the things they did like that were like, be really, really patient now. Wait for the random thing to not be random. Yeah, Mega Man 1 and 2 and even 3 a little bit, the real genius of it was in how well they combined their level with their enemies to create interesting challenges. They had in enemies that acted in interesting ways, and then they could combine those with different room layouts to create interesting challenges. I feel like a lot of the thought that went into those has kind of left, I think, because a lot of the designers were are migrating to start work on games like Mega Man X and other franchises, and this was starting to get passed down to their aides and such. This feels like the most one that was like, oh, we gotta throw out a Mega Man this year, let's get it together. I yeah. mean, they have an engine, basically, right? So they might they just do stuff with the engine now. A lot of the like level challenges are just kind of gotcha moments. They're not terrible gotcha moments, I feel like. They're ones that get you once, and you're like, oh, I see what I'm supposed to do here. Or at least that was my experience. Random elements included in a game, especially when it's... Like, if it's random, but it's not going to kill you... It's not random puzzle solving, it's random death. Yeah, like, it's... Random puzzle solving's fine. But when it's random death, especially when it's... It should be something that is a consistent pattern to use, because obviously that's what you're generally looking for anyway. I'm trying to think of a better way to describe it, because, like... Left 4 Dead 2 has random death. It's just death in the form of different well-defined zombie types. Um. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, that's... It's also... It gets harder the better you're doing, so it's kind of increasing the challenge. But, like, with this kind of randomness where specifically... What was it? Cosmic Man stage or... Uh, Crystal Man. Crystal Man, yeah. There's a thing that's basically dripping from a stalactite um, um, it's basically dropping it, crystals over a death pit. And it's randomly, the interval is random. So, like, I watched the pattern when, okay, so it drops, drops, drops. Okay, I need to go now. And I jumped, and then I got hit with it anyway. Yeah, I did that a couple times. isn't there. Like, if there was a pattern, that's one thing. But if it's just, like, randomly going to vary the interval, that's not fun to deal with. To defend the game, and I don't think that's a great challenge, but to defend the game, it's not really a random interval. The problem there is you're expecting the challenge to be something it's not. And what the challenge actually is there is when it doesn't drop one, you have more than enough time to notice that and then jump. So it's a testing of your reaction time to realize, oh, I have time here. And if you react properly, you have more than enough time to jump. There's a little bit of leeway on it. But you're right, there isn't a pattern. Which is So like, if you're weird. looking for a pattern... And that's what you're expecting the challenge to be, which is how they typically go in these sort of platformers that is going to get you. And there are a lot of challenges like that that are in weird ways challenging your expectations. And they're fine because, like I said, once you know, oh, this is what the challenge actually is, they're pretty easy to clear. But they do lead to some kind of random deaths. And I didn't mind that in this game because, like I said, the levels are shorter. So when I died, I didn't feel like I was losing a ton of progress the way in Mega Man 4. It was awful, and I would sometimes save scum just because I didn't want to have to redo that all again. 
But I don't think the level design in this is the great best. or even good. It's just not awful. We've played a lot of games with far worse level design, but this one is just uninspired. And we were talking about this off the mics. The way the level design in this feels feels a lot like one of the Game Boy Mega Man's Mega Mega's Man to me. And just in the fact that they're shorter and the level design is just like less solid than it has been historically. One of the things that did throw me off on the level design is there are a couple of of uh, points where there are straight up death hits. That one is a good example is on Crystal Man stage. It's a straight up death pit, but when you get to the far side of the stage, you actually you have to jump down have the pit. to jump down a pit. And Mega Man has always had that, but it definitely feels not more random here because there was never a pit where I was like, oh, I bet that's the way. Oh, that killed me. That never happened. But I was always a little afraid when I was like, I have to jump down here. Right? Yeah, when, I got, when I got to the end of it, I was like, do I, am I supposed to, I, it's not scrolling, but I also didn't jump. Am I supposed to? I feel like it's I, the way they're drawn. I, I was noticing that too. There, there's definitely something missing from previous Mega Man design. I thought Mega Man's typical thing was death pits are indicated by spikes. No. Not always. Um, typically it's based on level. A lot of times levels are vertical and a lot of times they will start you literally just suspended over a pit on those levels. So you immediately see Mega Man falling and falling down, and then you know it's fine. And most of the time, those levels just don't have death pits, or they have spikes. But then other levels, like, say, Air Man's, just has death pits, because you just fall out of the sky. And that's a vertical level, so you're supposed to avoid them. I would be interested in going back and studying some of the older Mega Man games, because I've never had a problem with these in Mega Man before. It wasn't even a problem here. It It was was just just an uneasiness. right? Yeah. No, I agree, and I, I, I had a very similar experience where normally it feels well telegraphed, but I could not for the life of me tell you what the difference is. Speaking of, they've also changed the Mega Buster, and I think this is a decent time to talk about it. You can still charge it up, but if you get hit, you lose the charge, which in previous games did not happen. Which is kind of a pain when fighting bosses, but also I feel like the bosses are much more telegraphed than they used to be, uh-huh. so it's kind of a balancing okay. thing. I'd... It's more of a weird change. It's fine. It makes sense. You get hit, you lose your charge. It just seems like a weird way they tried to make this game harder because it's easier. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that because I didn't really notice that because my main problem was hits. I actually forgot that Mega Man had a charge before X, even though we played two of these games where he has. And I was just rapid firing lemons at everything until I got to the first boss. Yeah, and I feel like the enemy design is just a lot weaker. We talked about in previous Mega Man games, a lot of times they create custom enemies for stages. I feel like there were zero of those in this game. All the enemies get kind of used. There are enemies that will just kind of hang out in you and wait for your hit invincibility to wear out, which always kind of sucks. Like Zach said, pits are the bigger problem in this game. Very rarely are enemies going to wear you down. So it's not the end of the world, but they just don't feel as well designed. I did have some struggles against the tiger bots in Napalm Man stage. But that's because they move, that one, so. they move a lot faster than I was expecting them to. So they were a little bit more tricky to hit. And that's kind of one of the things I am talking about with the enemy design. You know, tigers like napalm. No, well, tigers it's, like it's, Vietnam. Yeah, tigers like I Vietnam. guess that does kind of make sense when you say it that way. But I just feel like the theming was much more on There's a reason games. why that stage was controversial for that particular area of the world yeah i did see napalm man and thought that was a hilarious man to have so let's talk about the mans because while i've been kind of talking about this game being weaker than the previous ones i think the mans are a lot stronger than three and four it seems like they gave them a little bit more thought both in how they're designed and in them not just being a lightning guy and a fire guy like they have been before there is a bomb guy but there's also star man and gravity man 
who both have interesting level gimmicks and are pretty fun to fight. Gravity Man has a thing where he will be on one end of the stage and you'll be on the other. I guess, like, vertically, you'll be on the top and he'll be on the bottom, and he switches you and you have to shoot him while you're falling past each other. Actually, if we can take a sec, I actually really like Gravity Man's stage. That one was a lot of fun. Because the gimmick there is that sometimes you will go through this gravity switch, basically, and gravity will reorient. And it's just based on where you are in the stage, so... And there's a clear indicator, so yeah. it works very well. There's like a giant arrow indicating gravity will go this direction once you pass mm. this point. And so it's some of the fairest and most fun challenges. A lot of the limit gimmicks are good, but some of them are reused, and a lot of the like individual challenges don't work very well. Whereas the mans, outside of Charge Man, who is one of the most boring Mega Man bosses, are, I think, very well designed. He will just kind of walk at you, and you have to like walk away and jump from him, and he will turn invincible for a second, and it's just not a very fun fight. And also, because it's kind of a more random and eclectic collection of mans in this one, the enemy weakness chart makes no sense unless you're staring at it. Some of them are okay. Napalm beats stone, and that kind of makes sense. I can kind of see that, but that's a little on the weird side. Star beats gravity. Yeah, and again, I can kind of see that. I can see why they're linked, but that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I feel like gravity should beat star, honestly. And that is the star creates gravity. Yeah. But also gravity creates star. It is it is kind of a circle. (laughs) Uh, That is one of came first, the star or the gravity? The gravity. That is one of the ones though, it's probably the only one in this game where from a gameplay sense that makes sense. Like the Starman weapon seems like it would be good against Gravity Man. Yeah, actually, because of the way Gravity Man moves around, Starman's weapon actually makes is a lot of sense. Is it just because like, it homes or something? No, it's like a shield around you, and like I said, he will switch gravity and you fall past each other. And so as he vi- falls by, he'll hit your shield. Oh, okay. Charge Man, I assumed would be weak to the Power Stone, but I only did that because I thought Stone is kind of like ground, and Charge Man's probably an electric guy. He's, in fact, a train guy, but <laughs> I was still right about Stone beating it. You know how Rock beats train? I mean, <laughs> yeah, if rock rock wall beats train, but... I'm just looking at a weakness chart right now, and it's got like a line drawn around the outside edge, and I can kind of see how Charge Man is a train from this profile picture, but I wouldn't have known that unless you told me just now. So Star beats Gravity What, what beats... does What does the water one beat? Because that one also kind of makes sense, because... Stars. It, yeah, because it goes through his shield. Um, okay. It's like a little wave of water. But again, water beats star, huh? Looking at that chart, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like I was expecting, even Mega Man looks confused. <laughs> I was expecting when you mentioned that you had a chart that it was going to be something more coherent. Uh, well, th- I had a like Excel spreadsheet. Like this is the weapon they give you. This is what well, they're no, weak to. I mean, to. like uh, having again, kind of having a a pattern. Like either everything beats whatever it is to its left. Which, no, that's never been the case. No, I know it hasn't been, but like, wh- or whatever is directly opposing so, it on the on the. I would like to read this out really quick because I think it's hilarious. Stars beat gravity. Gravity beats gyros. That kind of makes sense, right? (laughs) Gyros beat crystals. Crystals beat napalm. Napalm (laughs) beats rock. Rock beats charge. Trains, I guess. Rock beats trains. Trains beat waves. And we complete the cycle with waves beating stars. (laughs) I... I... I wish this was a video podcast because <laughs> all of my expressions would come through a lot better. And I also think it would be very funny to like attach static images to each one. Like we definitely have just Hugh Jackman for Star. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually really wanted to Photoshop a bad Zach in the place of Ma- Mega yeah, Man exactly. looking confused. Um, if we can talk about the weapons for a second, I think they're a lot better than four. Most of them are kind of eh, but there are a couple of interesting ones. The gyro 
once you fire it one time, you can tap the D-pad to change its direction, so you can send it in diagonals oh, or down cool. or up. That's a neat idea. Yeah, it's not quite as useful as the metal blades that start their trajectory, but it is a neat idea, and it does come in handy a lot of the time. Could you theoretically use it as a shield, though, and just like shoot out in front of you, and then it just sits there for a second? Or no, because it... it travels. Oh, okay. It is a projectile, and you can change its momentum once. Oh, that's actually potentially quite useful. It's a very so. neat idea. Charge Man gives you the charge kick, which it's not well told. They should tell you how to use it. But you can't fire with it, but your slide now has a kick part to it, and you're invincible while you're doing it, and can kick through people. Oh, that's cool. One of the bosses in Wily's Castle will freeze you, and there's this weird strategy I was trying to do, I eventually abandoned, where if he freezes you in that state, you are invincible because you're doing the kick, and you hurt him if he walks into you while you are frozen. So oh, that's kind of a neat idea. Yeah. And like I said, it was not the best strategy, but I was trying it for a while. The wave just goes through everything, which is kind of interesting. It's not super great, but... That's probably the last one worth talking about, I think. The crystal is just shotgun ice, but on the NES, so not as good. Napalm works exactly how you expect. You have the rush coil and the rush jet back, but you also get this suction cup arrow, which I find very charming. <laughs> that like is just an arrow to a suction cup you can use to scale walls, or you can write it after you fire it, which very quickly depletes the ammo, but it doesn't disappear until you get off of it, even if it's out of ammo. So I would like to point out that every single Mega Man game, they slightly change how Rush Coil and Rush Jet look. That and Rush Coil definitely works differently in this one. Not in a really meaningful way, but like Rush will pogo in front of you and you have to kind of jump on him, which is just kind of, it's not as hard as that sounds, but. It's just weird that they keep changing it every single game. My big criticism of this one is that the castles, when you do them, there are two of them. But in the previous ones, they've really felt like they're testing your collection of skills and like they were designed with your conveyances in mind and you need to like, use them to challenge puzzles. You have beaten all the robot bosses. We know you have these skills at this point. Yeah. So now here, demonstrate these skills. This one has one or two walls. You need the uh, the arrows to climb, but that's it. And that's kind of disappointing. They are pretty fun levels. They probably have the best level design in the game, but there's nothing that's really testy they're, in that They're way. still not previous Wily's Castle. Yeah. There's also an interesting thing they added. In addition to the E-tanks you can always get, there are also M-tanks. Which are all energy refills, right? In addition to be refilling their health, they refill all your ammo as oh, well. Oh, I didn't know it refilled your health. Yeah. So it's just a way more powerful E-tank. But there's also a letter of the word Mega Man in each Robot Master stage. Yeah, what does that do? If you get them all, you get Beat, who is the, oh, nice. a little bird that the doctor from Mega Man 4 made. He is basically a seek and attack drone. You shoot him out, he will find the boss and destroy him. So there's <laughs> so there's one stage that doesn't have the letter. No, it, five is the last letter. It's Makeup Man oh, 5. okay. Yeah, I saw those. I'm like, oh, I need to pick that up. Oh, that's probably that last thing I picked up. That was probably a V. I couldn't tell what the hell it was. It's uh, on Crystal Man stage as you're dropping. There's like a yeah, V. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Uh, I did not actually get them all, but it is very helpful in beating the end bosses because in particular, the last boss is Wily, he's got like a cloaking thing, so he'll disappear and then he'll appear and you have to hit him quickly before he does his attack, which is not that hard with the gyro, but if you have Beat, Beat's just like, I, I am a bird, invisibility does not phase me. Die, <laughs> Wily! I have an echolocation, <laughs> like a bird. <laughs> so it's an interesting idea to try, but they do it much better in X with things like the Shuriken and the armor upgrades because they're a little bit more immediate gratification when you find them you get a benefit right away. Whereas in this, if you miss one of them, you don't get the benefit. Yeah, I can and see you can't, that. And you can't go back and redo the stages, which I think you can in X. Yeah, you can in X. Isn't that also kind of the point in X? Or yeah, in X, some points? of them, you 
yeah, be- have upgrades that you can't get without other upgrades. Yeah. So overall, I did like this game because it's a Mega Man game, but it's not anything special compared to other Mega Man games. I guess my final thoughts would be, if you really like Mega Man 2 and you already played Mega Man 1 and X, this is probably the one I'd go to next. I think this is also my... I don't even know where I was going with that sense. I agree with that ordering. Mega Man X, then 2, then this one, then 1. I think I would put one above this one personally a little bit. I just think it's in some weird ways a little bit purer. It's also got that cool rock, paper, scissors weakness chart, which is hilarious. I could take or leave this one. It's not one like Mega Man 2 where I'm like, if you're interested in old video games, play this one. This is specifically, you like Mega Man, you've played the really good ones. This is a good next one. This is one of the like better okay ones. All right, so if we don't have anything else to say about it, we have a list at our website, www.lastpodcast.com. Listing all the Mega Man games we've played, along with all the others, from best to worst. At the top is Chrono Trigger, which has a very intuitive weakness chart. At the bottom is City Connection, which is weak to games criticism. What power do you get by defeating City Connection? A lane car. In the middle is Harvest Moon, which is weak to bugs. On the SNES, right? Yes. Harvest Moon 64, as we've discussed, is much, much higher. So hear me out on this theory. Harvest Moon is weak to depression, because when there's bad weather, you can't do anything and the entire day is wasted. So Mega Man rates pretty high on our lists because I really like it. I also uh, really like it, which biases us towards those things. I know. <laughs> How do we think it compares to the previous NES Mega Man, Mega Man 4? Because I pretty much think it's better. Yeah, I think I agree. I can't even remember 4. 4 wasn't the one with Pharaoh Man, was it? Yeah, 4 was Pharaoh Man where you had the spirit bomb, and that might be the only (laughs) thing I remember about Mega Man 4. I had Dr. Cossack, who was, like Uh, I said, just his Dr. Wily kidnapped his daughter. He's like, you pretend to do the things I'm doing. He's like, but I am Russian. Directly above Mega Man 4, we have Mega Man X3. Okay. I don't think I like it as much as X3. That's the one whose gimmick was like the robot suits, mostly, yeah. I'm kind of torn on this one. I think I might actually prefer 5 to X3, but only just barely. I could easily be swayed one way or the other, though, so if if you have a compelling argument for me. Not really. I'm kind of wondering if my preference towards... Is because X? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I didn't finish that one, but they had some cool secret stuff, so... That is that I'm true. I'm interested in. It does have the level explorey elements. And I really like those Air Dash boots. I really just like the way Mega Man X moves. He might be my favorite video game protagonist, just as far as movement, movement options Quite go. honestly, this one just feels like Mega Man another one <laughs> to me. It doesn't feel... X3 kind of does too, in a disappointing way. But I agree with you. Would you say it below X3 then, Zach? I would say below X3 because X3 at least was trying to add a lot more stuff with a lot of all those all those walking suits and whatever. And the new movement mechanics, they added like, well, although X2 had the midair dash as it well, did. right? Yeah. So. And X3 had the, you can have one tier three upgrade in addition to your tier up two upgrades, which is an okay idea, but. But kind of, kind of okay. Oh man, I really want us to play Z sometime. One of these days. I think we're adding to our little Mega Man block here, which has River City Ransom stuck in the middle of it. (laughs) You're like, hey, I'm not a Mega Man. Get me out of (laughs) here. He looks like he could be in a Mega Man though. Mega Man 5 will go at number 53 above Mega Man 4 and below Mega Man X3. (laughs) And also River City Ransom is in there. He's being held ransom. Being held hostage for ransom. By Dr. Wiley. By Dr. Wiley. (laughs) You have to stop Dr. Wiley. Oh, no. What what, what is it? The Dark Energy or something? I can't even remember. We can watch it right after we finish (laughs) recording. I think we've earned that. I feel like I need to watch that about once a month for the rest of my life. (laughs) So now that we've almost beaten all of the NES Mega Mans, Zach, what are we going to play next week? So, recently, it was announced that 
a game I never expected to actually see was on GOG. And since this game, I think, is... Honestly, I don't remember very much of it, but I I honestly don't think it's going to end up being very good, but I think it's a very important game. I think we're going to play Warcraft, the original Warcraft on, on GOG. GOG. So, next time on Last Time, Disco doesn't work in this game. Last Podcast Production, copyright 2019.